0: Welcome along, everybody. Thank you so much for once again joining us. we got a massive show on our hands today. This is a, a review show of the weekend. No Premier League action this weekend. So we decided to take a trip around Europe. Some fantastic games to watch. And I've got my two friends with me, Nigel Rio Coker and Michael LaHood. It's been a little bit different, Nigel. No Premier League games this weekend. You were forced to watch the other games around Europe. Which one did you watch? Which one did you enjoy?
1: I watched quite a few games. I watched Napoli. Uh, I thought they were fantastic. Uh, Watched a bit of uh, La Liga also. And for me, I said we discussed them a bit about Real Madrid, about the business that they do and how good a team that they look and the balance and oh, what a display they put on. Fantastic to watch. Um, So I watched quite a few. I really took in a lot of football this weekend. We've also uh, enjoyed a bit of time to myself. So I got that balance right, mate. What about you? Mike, what you got?
2: Oh, man, my head's gone. My head's absolutely done in after this Serie A game. I just want let's 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 finish with the pleasant. Let's just get into it because there's so much to talk about. My, like, my head's literally gone and I'm caffeinated. So let's get it.
0: Well, what a great start that is. My name is Ian Joy. You're watching Keiko Latso. we have a lot to talk about. We're going to start with the game Michael just touched upon a moment ago. Juventus against Salernitana. It was an absolutely wild affair and I mean wild affair this may have been my favorite game to watch this past weekend so Juventus obviously went a goal behind thanks to Kandreva on the 18th minute it was a cracking goal lovely cross obviously wonderful finish I think Quadrado could have done a bit better there and then uh, Piatek got the goal in the second half to make it 1-1 before it started to get really interesting Bremer of course little bit interesting what's going on with this it was crazy to see juve so far behind in the game then pull a goal back michael and then at the end to have the drama of having an equalizer obviously a strange penalty kick and then a winning goal that was then given away i mean taken away from video review what did you think of the overall game from juventus first and foremost before we even get into all the craziness at the end
2: Look away, Juve fans. Your team is in massive trouble. It's desperation hour. I saw a team that's desperate. The game against PSG, you can write that as a one-off potentially. But this is a team that has no life, no belief. And when that Millet goal went in, it was almost a lifeline for them. It's almost as if their season depended on it. Max Allegri, I think he's on the hot seat. We've already set up coach on the hot seat. Nigel, you're one for one on that, that count.
0: Nigel. Yes. Crazy game, mate. I know there's been a lot of action. It's been difficult to follow everything, but Max Allegri, at one point in this game, I'm following my Serie A pundits. I've got Matteo Bonetti, Marco Messina, even our Poppy Miller, my co-host on HQ, you know very well, all criticizing Juventus. They seem to think that Allegri's on the hot seat. Not a good result at the
1: end, finishing 2-2. But Juventus right now, not themselves. Yeah, you'd have to say he's definitely on the hot seat. I think uh, for a club of Juventus stature and what the history and what that club is about, these results are not good. You know, they really are. They seem really off the pace. You've got other teams that are doing ever so well in the likes of Napoli from out of nowhere. That's surprising a lot of people this year. You've obviously got the usual of the Inter and the AC and also Roma with the rebuild kind of on the Jose Mourinho. Juventus just look like they're nowhere near about it. And for a club that big with such history as well in the Champions League, let alone in Serie A, you would have to say he definitely is under the hot seat. And you'd have to say also it's because of the calibre of managers that's available. Let's not yeah. forget, club legend Zinedine Zidane is still out there available for a job and opportunity. And I think if they try to get the likes of Zinedine Zidane in, you know they'll give him a windfall of kitty to help him to bring back Juventus the way he needs to be. Maybe it's a time, I would say, for Juventus for the changing of the guard because Allegri's been there for so long now. And, you know, this is his, what, second swan song there at the club? Yes. It just doesn't seem to be working out for him there. Maybe it might just be that Juventus heading into a different direction now.
0: Yeah, well, I will say this, though. It is a second adventure at the club. His first one worked out pretty well indeed. And now you see what's happening at the football club. They've made some signings. Uh, They spent a lot of money on Vlahovic coming into the door. Um, And I just want to be clear. This game was absolutely crazy. Juve were 2-0 down at one stage in this game. They managed to pull the goal back. Uh, Bremer pulling one back after giving away a handball early in the game. There was a few controversial decisions that video review stepped up and, and made big calls here. At the end of the game, if you didn't catch it, I suggest you go and try and find the highlights somewhere. The last probably five ten minutes of this game, Mike, I know you caught it. I know you've been tired. You've been working your butt off. But catching the end of that game certainly breathed a bit of life into all of us because it was craziness. There ended up being four red cards, I think, after 90 minutes. It was insane.
2: Yeah, and I think it's a sign of things to come for Max Allegri. He got a red card. Could that be his marching orders for real that were just foreshadowed for him? This is madness from you, Vay. For about 60 minutes, they were second best in every category. What worries me about their team is how they are struggling to create chances and score goals. They brought in Vlahovic to solve that problem, got rid of Cristiano Ronaldo because he was too old, too selfish. Alvo Morata not brought back. They thought he was the problem and Vlahovic was the future. Vlahovic seems to be having brick feet in front of goal. Static, just shambolic today in my book. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Brick feet in front of goal wow I have never heard it said <laughs> that he's having a difficult time but let's be real though it, it is a rebuild process at that club and I think everyone knew that for a while and they just haven't seemed to get the right formula there because I know I, I still think he's a good player you know you can't take away you don't become a bad player overnight you look at what he was doing at Florentina maybe his price might be inflated as uh, Ian Joy would love to jump in on this one and give his opinion on him. (laughs) But I still think, potentially, he is a great talent. I just think he's gone into a real difficult situation right now. And I think that also, from him going into Juventus, Mike, all the expectation came to him. It was that whole classic number nine again from the history of the club, of the players that have had to play that number nine, the Del Piero role. He was expected to get the goals and get that team firing. But it just hasn't been able to work out for him at the moment. And I think maybe the burden and the pressure of Being that number nine, that striker, that old school, all-round striker Juventus is becoming a bit too much for him.
0: Well, it's a lot of pressure, you have to say, Mike. I'll let you jump in in just a second real quickly, because Nigel mentioned my name there, so it means that, you know what, <laughs> i, I got to fire back here. I don't yeah, like getting no. fired back, you know? It, listen, I, I understand the price tag is been overinflated. There's a lot of price tags out there. If you look at the recent transfer window, it's insane. Some of the money that's been sharing hands or swapping hands, it's been ridiculous. I must admit that. But when I saw Vlahovic and the goals that he scored at Fiorentina, and I will admit, I didn't catch all of his games, but... As the rumor started to mount and started to get stronger and stronger, I thought, I'm going to watch him more. And I did. And I thought, wow, what a player. He just looked fantastic. But when you arrive at a big club, right, you arrive at a big club with great history and you're the man responsible to try and get them back to the top of the table. It's very, very difficult to do indeed. So I'll come back on in just a second. My camera's just switched off, but I'll let you take over, Mike. What do you think about that?
2: I think this is a striker who thrives on service. If you in Tina, he was getting the quality service that he needed last season. He was getting quality service, but him and Alvaro Morata were running into each other's spaces. Now that he's the main man, you saw what he could do having the likes of an Angel Di Maria. I wonder if how much he's suffering is down to the fact that Paul Pogba, Angel Di Maria, players who were brought in to be the creative forces of the team are not there. Their midfield three, like for like, static. They were crap. I also said brick feet. We're going to call them crap because that's where they were. That's what caffeine dictates. I'm bringing
0: the gloves out today. I love it.
1: Nigel, anything wow. to watch? I, I, like this new energy from, sorry, I like this new energy from Mike. <laughs> I, I think that I can finally say that Mike is not in that participation trophy era. Oh. He calls it how it is. Very un-American of you, but yet... Oh, I right. knew that was coming. You're right. I think, I think for me that you're right, Mike. You made a very good point. Um, Paul Pogba is a big part. They brought him in for that reason, to be that creative Genius, that creative uh, kind of artist that Juventus have been missing and need, and I think that he will stri- he will thrive off the service that Paul Pogba can produce. But the problem yeah. they've got right now is Paul Pogba is injured, and not just he's the Syria R season for Juventus; it's also a doubt for the World Cup for the French national team
0: yeah well he's not the only one that's injured for Juve right now they're dealing with a ton of injuries not easy but just wondering whether or not they can try to get these consistent results back and really mount that challenge at the top of the table again Uh, next up for Juventus is a home game against Benfica in the Champions League before a trip to Monza next weekend we'll talk about them a little bit later on in the show but let's talk about Napoli we'll jump ahead they got a last minute winning goal Nigel at the weekend over Spezia Raspadore the 22 year old scoring his first goal of the season it's a last minute winner for Napoli they just came off the back of a massive result against Liverpool
1: to be expected some tired legs and leaving at last minute Nigel nope they followed it up with a fantastic performance (laughs) it was all Napoli they were fantastic Elmas was fantastic Anguissa was a different player for me he's not the same player that I saw at Fulham I thought he was absolutely sensational again and you would think that when you come off such a high against playing against Liverpool not just putting in the performance, but beating Liverpool like they did. One of the favourites for the Champions League. You'd think that there'll be a bit of complacency. Mm -hmm. They'll relax a bit, you know, back to domestic form. But they were sensational. They really are showing that they're a team to really take serious for this Serie A title race. If they can play with that same intensity and that momentum throughout the whole season and keep those players, they're really a big threat And again, I'm not going to butcher his name, but... (laughs) Kwacha! Oh my uh, days!
2: You, yeah, yeah you, you, you sound like way. Ashley Cole all over again <laughs> doing the no. League dry. You are Ashley Kowacha. Cole. Uh, anyway,
1: you know who I'm talking about the Georgian, yeah. the Georgian superstar. The the I don't know. It's a bit of a little bit of a Steve McManaman, Maradona about him on that wing there. Fantastic! He he was. I love to say that.
0: Today. I love to hear that. Kvatcha, Kvarchella. Kvarchella. Yeah, that's his name right there. I, I was close. I'll back you up here, Nigel. They had 28 shots, six of them on target. And Kvaricelia had uh, five shots himself. Continues to impress. I mean, are they deserving of their position at the top of the table, Mike? I mean, can can they really keep this up all year long? You're dealing with European competition. You're dealing with a real battle in Serie A to potentially go and win a Scudetto this year. It's not going to be easy for them, but we're all kind of liking what we're seeing so far.
2: Yeah, they've had an explosive start to the season. Although last season, I want to remind everyone that they started out of the gates as well in Serie A, and everyone was talking, can they win the Scudetto? Can they compete on many different platforms? This is an important year for them because it's a World Cup year. You also have some players who will not be there. I Victor Osimhen, potentially with Nigeria, missing out on the World Cup. Injury woes for them. I worry about the, the condensed schedule with the amount of games. The fact that given a Champions League game, right afterwards, mm-hmm. a lot of these players that put out a lot of energy against Liverpool are still on the field. You need to get depth, And I look at the January transfer window for a club that does have money since the sale of some of their players in this past window, in the summer window, you got to go out. You got to get players who can contribute maybe in the Copa Italia and take off some of the pressure from some of their key starters.
0: Well, there's no Osama coming up because he's now injured and not coming back until the end of September. So they're going to have to face Rangers in the upcoming tie in the Champions League without him. And Nigel, I want to touch upon... This issue that's appeared right now with this tie being moved, the the tie was rescheduled due to the policing um, shortage right now in the UK with what's happening around um, Queen Elizabeth II's funeral and um, no traveling fans will be taking place at Ibrox, which also means there'll be no traveling fans from Glasgow going to Naples either in the UEFA fair play rules. Do you agree with that decision to move the tie initially because of the policing issues? But also, I want to know your opinion because you, man, who played for the fans, no fans from a travelling side side—and either of these sides now.
1: The no fans thing is going to be very, very difficult. I think it's uh, very hard for footballers to kind of handle that. You know, obviously, some players have experienced that. Again, it depends on what club you come from, uh, you come through and the system you have to play in. uh, In the sense of the football club. But I think it's, it's, it's a tough one. But again, it's just the circumstances that we're dealing with. You know, with not being having enough police officers there to police for the safety of the fans. I think that's important. I don't want to see football go back to the dark ages. And again, you're looking at two very passionate football clubs and we've got to be real to people listening. It's also about um, basically the history and the fact of nationality plays a part. Yeah. And we, we're very aware of these games and I don't want to see the dark ages of football with how far, especially Club of Rangers, how far they've come along from where they were. And then again, you're talking about also um, Napoli as well. Very passionate fans, very passionate about their city and their country. Let's just keep it on the football pitch. We don't want to see it spill outside. And if there's not going to be enough police officers there to safely police so that fans are safe, because I'm about football for the kids and the family. I want to see more families going to football matches, young kids going. I don't want them to go and see the violent idiots or the few who ruin it for everyone else. So if that's the case, so be it. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you
0: there. Next
1: up, Mike, before we jump
0: on, is a game against AC Milan away from home. That's going to be next Sunday. little prediction from you in that one.
2: Ooh, you know, you can't bet against AC Milan the way they're, they're thriving in Serie A right now. But a big player is missing for Milan in their next match. And that could be a difference maker for them. Not sure if Milan and how they'll cope Without this key figure in Raphael,
1: yeah, hey. Raphael, go on, Nigel. Before Rafa I Leal was on fire again today. Oh my God, he was. <laughs> <sensational>. oh, <man. laughs> he was. And you know what the funny thing is? You're watching that game. You're seeing what a talent he is. What a real raw talent he is, and he could only get better and better. His link up and understanding with Giroud was fantastic. And on the other hand, inside of my head, I'm laughing at myself saying, I wonder if Chelsea could do with Giroud right now, because he looks like mm. he's still on fantastic form. And what a bit of bad business that was done by Chelsea getting rid of Giroud. Because right now, he's the type of striker that they need with all that youth that they've got around him. He'll be fantastic in Chelsea's team right now. But as uh, Mike said, Rafa Bial was unbelievable. My question is, did you guys see the sending off? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. For me... That is nowhere near ascending off. Like, it it's just a doesn't make card. no sense. Yeah. It's a yellow card, Nigel. I don't it's think so. Card. I disagree. I disagree. In. He's what? going for a bicycle kick. He's going for a bicycle kick. The defender chooses to put his head there. The is like, doing other He's, He's defending. He's defending. Oh, He's man. putting his head man. into a dangerous no.
0: position. It's dangerous play if you try a bike kick.
1: It's You've got dangerous. to know we where your players are around play. you. We've seen so many players set up to go for a bicycle kick. I think that's a harsh sending off. Because and Nigel, if we're saying we, that, you might as well stop jumping for headers then. Stop competing.
2: Nigel, the only place that that's a safe play is in the video game Mortal Kombat. And oh, I, I've seen of enough there. of that game. My little brother plays it. That's the only space that's a safe play. And that's not a, a yellow card. That's minimum a yellow so card. Wait, it's so dangerous. it's a red card.
1: We should just outlaw and ban scissors kicks, bicycle kicks, and all that of football now, right?
2: So I will say this, I've gotten sure? a red card off a bicycle kick on a set piece play.
1: Nah, uh, for me, I'm sorry. I'm going to stick by my guns. I don't think that's a sending off. I know it's a yellow card, but still, his intentions are purely for the ball. The The, the defender chooses to stick his head there. No problem. But for me, nah, it's, it's harsh to give that a yellow card. All
0: right, Let me update with everybody what's going on here right now. Sampdoria 1, AC Milan 2 was the score at the weekend. Junior Messias has got the opening goal, his first of the season, assisted by Leao. And then what happened? 47 minutes into the game, Leao got a second yellow card for a bicycle kick and accidentally almost took somebody's head off, which <laughs> Nigel <laughs> Riakouka I think is okay. The game did not end there, though. Duricic got one back to make it 1-1 before Olivier Giroud made it 2 one thanks to so a penalty kick, and it was an interesting game. But the talking point, and I think debate should be up there, Nigel. And I'm okay with having a discussion about this one, whether or not a bicycle uh, kick in, in the box is is okay. I think you should be able to try it. I think you should be allowed to do it. But whenever you're close to a defender, and you should always know that there's going to be people near you inside the penalty area, if you, if you don't connect with the ball properly and you kick the opponent, it has to be a foul. It has to be dangerous play if you catch
1: someone in the head. True. Understandable. I, I just think it's harsh though. And again, we're talking about these bicycle Remember, let's remember one of the great bicycle kicks we saw when it came to European football. Remember Rivaldo's hat trick for Barcelona mm. to get them into yep. the Champions League? There was a defender directly behind him. So are we are going to outlaw bicycle kicks? Did he make contact with the player? <laughs> it was close. It was close. But he did make contact. You get no I cards don't... for
0: being close.
1: Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Okay. You, you go point. But, but
2: you I can, I, what, what I do like about your argument and the devil's advocate about that is that it's a key player. It, w- it wasn't an intentionally malicious play. And I think your argument, initial argument of saying that's not a red card. I think all three of us are in agreement with that, that the referee gets it wrong in a game where we've seen referees do that, where they're a bit card happy. And I think the pressure of the game, the pressure of the moment, the intensity, which AC Milan started that game with Rafael Rafael Leal, was a menace from start to the red card and he'll be sorely missed for the next match.
1: No, I think you're right. I think that's the thing that I probably need to get across myself is right. It's for me, the intention wasn't there. And I think that's why it's so harsh because all of his focus was on the ball. He wasn't intentionally trying to kick a defender or anything like that. He went for the acrobatic, missed it, kicked the defender, yellow card. Yes, Ian, you're right. You win this one. No problem. I'm sure be I'm a is, that is going to be a big miss for next week's game that's going to yep. be a big miss and I think for me I would say just because of that factor I give advantage to Napoli
0: yeah, fair play right there. Well said as well, Nigel. I think you should be able to to try things in the box, but you just always got to be careful. So I'm glad I won this one. I'm sure there'll be many more debates coming up between us. Anyway, let's move on real quickly. Other result in Serie A before we move on to the Bundesliga real quickly is Lecce won, Monza won. Uh, Monza earned their historic first ever Serie A point thanks to a splendid Stefano Sensi free kick. But super sub John Gonzalez then got Lecce back on level terms. Historic moment. But a, pretty much a rough start right here. Mike, what are your thoughts on uh, Monza? Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see them in this campaign. Berlusconi.
2: Uh, they brought Sensi in to perform magical moments like that. A player who has nine caps for the Italian national team, former interman, and has kind of become a journeyman throughout Serie A on loan to get some meaningful minutes and hopefully be a player who comes back to impact that group. What I worry about is there's not enough players who I think can make this transition from Serie B to Syria. The quality yep. is lacking there. To get a result is massive because you need to start somewhere. But I could see this being a one and done season for them if they don't bring in more players. They do have the owner who has more money than uh, – no, he doesn't have more money than Abramovich. Well, actually he does have more money than Abramovich mm-hmm. right now because all that money has been taken from him.
0: I think we're going to say more money than sense. Nigel, what are your thoughts on Monza? (laughs) Obviously, bottom of the table, relegation battles, never easy, but Monza are spending some serious money here under Berlusconi's here, so they're trying to do their best. Can you buy your way to staying in the league? And he's gone. Just me and you, Michael. (laughs) What do you think, though? Do you think they they can buy themselves into staying in the league?
2: No. We, we've seen this recipe in the Premier League. A team that comes to mind, Fulham, did that most recently. Nottingham Forest seems to be doing yeah. that this year. You have to have a plan, a philosophy, a DNA, a spine of a team that you build. That that you Literally, you're building a project to stay in Serie A. The teams that have done that, the brightness of the world, they're in the Premier League and maintain that Premier League status for a reason. I think it's going to be disaster central for Monza.
0: Well, as we welcome Nigel back, we will remind you please don't forget the Paramount Plus is the only place to stream every single minute of every Serie A match and you can quickly and easily sign up for your very own account right now by clicking on the link in the description All right, let's jump into some Bundesliga chat real quickly because I know Mike you're a very busy man you've got to go to job number 7 for today we'll start (laughs) with uh, Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich a 2-2 draw against Stuttgart, Uh, the youngster Matthias Tell got his first goal in the Bundesliga now the youngest ever goal scorer in the Bundesliga for Bayern Munich uh, before Musiale made it 2-1, Jorasi made it 2-2 in the end, so Bayern Munich yet again another draw for them three consecutive draws in the Bundesliga crazy times right now for Bayern Munich I mean what are your thoughts there
2: I think they're a club that's spread thin between the Champions League and their Bundesliga aspirations when you've won the Bundesliga as many times as they have in the modern era you kind of get bored a bit and I just wonder if if the boredom of these players is so much so to the fact that they don't really show up and maintain energy because they have a massive game. This coming week against a familiar phone, Robert
0: Lewandowski. Nigel, I can see you smiling. I,
1: I'm no, I'm waiting for you to say something, Ian, because obviously you said that you said it what last time with us that oh there's just something not quite right at Bayern. Remember you saying that? Yes, I remember you saying <laughs> yes. it. But if you look at the yeah. game, let's be real, Bayam gifted those goals away, trying to play out the back, and it was just way too easy. And again, I think I have to agree with what Mike's saying. Sometimes it might be a comfort level. I think some of these players are just so comfortable. I think this will what. 10 consecutive domestic titles and maybe priorities might be set elsewhere. Maybe the priorities might be Champions League. I think Champions League is the golden goose. That's what the majority of that 1% clubs do. Nigel, what? you've lost your mind. There's there's no way this Bayern
0: Munich side can win the Champions League this year.
1: No, I'm not saying they can win it. I'm saying that might be their I priority. See. I'm not saying they can win it. I'm saying that might be their priority. Just to add to what Mike said, because yes... They've won domestic titles how many times now? It does become a bit boring and a bit stale. So again, whether from up top or board level that their priority might be Champions League is the main goal for that club. Because I think personally it's the same thing we talk about when we talk about Manchester City. They've won the league title. Fans in uh, Manchester City fans are very happy. They've won league titles, won FA Cup, won domestic stuff. They want the Champions League. That is what Pep's being judged on. The whole thing of bringing Haaland in again is to help them maybe... Win the Champions League. And I think maybe for Bayern Munich, it could be the same thing. You know, it could be a bit of boredom. But when you look at Bayern Munich and the, the, just basically the caliber of goals they gave away in this game, yeah, that's like schoolboyish. Like, that's not Bayern Munich. And it was not just too Bayern easy. Munich.
0: Oh, no, it is, it, is, it is, Nigel, it is, we have to face it. Bayern Munich are a team that make defensive mistakes. They switch off in vital moments in big games and even in the Bundesliga in games that you would expect them to win. And I think maybe if I go back to your question that you um, threw at us on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, where you said, can anyone stop Bayern Munich from winning the league? And I think the answer is no. No one can stop Bayern Munich from winning the league, even at this rate, even with there being a problem with Bayern Munich right now. Leipzig just changed their coach because they seem to be flat starting the Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund sold their top striker. And sure, they're struggling with injury, but inconsistency again at the weekend with a poor result against Leipzig. Nobody's challenging Bayern Munich at the top of the table. Freiburg just drew with Gladbach. They're top of the table at the moment as well. So it's it's crazy to see what's happening in the Bundesliga. And I understand and I respect both of you saying it's boring, but it's a little bit crazy. If you look at some of the teams that are flying around the Bundesliga right now who are having success, uh, you have Freiburg who are doing well, just drew uh, Union Berlin, top of the table right now, just won. They beat Cologne in a crazy, crazy game. We'll get onto that in just a second. But no one seems to be challenging Bayern Munich. So I'm going to throw this to you, Mike. Nigel had mentioned it to me last week. Can anyone challenge Bayern for a domestic trophy this year, even at this rate?
2: I think the difficult thing with some of the potential challengers is They are not deep squads. They're still embroiled in European competition. And it's a tricky, tricky affair. Last year, Muchen Gladbach, they decided the Champions League was going to be their folly. And they really went for it. And it cost them their places in the league. Leipzig, they've been one of the, the mainstays in the top four as of late. But they're a team that are trying to figure themselves out, as you said. So I think the timing of this reshuffle in the Bundesliga really aids Bayern. They're in a vulnerable place right now. Last season, though, at the start of the season, there was retinkering tinkering Nagelsmann's first year, and they went through a bit of a lull to start the season. But when this Byron team hits, they tend to hit with aggression and with the vengeance. So now is prime time for teams to get not just turn... Difficult games in the draws, but can you get three points off this Bayern team? That's what I'm looking for for potential title challengers.
0: Hey, Nigel, before I jump into you, Bayern obviously have a big game coming up against Barcelona at home this week in the Champions League before they then have the Bavarian derby against Augsburg. Um, Are Bayern good enough to compete with Barca right now? Because right now, Bayern Munich are favorites to win that game, and there's pretty good odds on there to get
1: Barcelona to actually win the game. I think it was like plus 280. But you know what, um, Ian, you know what it's like sometimes as players, though. Sometimes there's certain games that as players that you are thinking of ahead, you know, and I think that that game there is on a lot of Bayern Munich's players. And it's always funny because you've seen it, we've seen it so many times where certain teams you would expect the likes of Bayern to be easily and comfortably when they play teams maybe in the bottom half of the league. They struggle, Mm -hmm. they find it hard because those bottom half teams raise their game because they're playing Bayern Munich. It's going to be the same kind of concept we're looking at with this Barcelona game. Yes, Bayern got the draw. Let's be honest like They got the draw. They did not lose the game. Maybe a draw is not good enough, but still we talk about winning mentality, creating that winning mentality. And from clubs that I've been at, creating that winning mentality is you go into a game, three points are what you can come with. But the minimum you can come with is one point. So you take that one point. That's the minimum. You don't lose. You don't come here with nothing. That is how you create that winning mentality. And Bayern still got the draw. Maybe we're being a bit too heavily critical on Bayern Munich. But I feel in that dressing room, those players are going to be getting ready to raise their game because they know it's Barcelona. And that's what happens. We've seen it before so many times where teams of that level don't perform on the weekend. And then they're playing another giant in European football and they're absolutely sensational. So I feel that they definitely will raise their game because they know what's at stake. There's going to be so many people with an eye on this game because again, it's uh, the return of the golden child and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be interested to see how he does and then you've got the new school there who flying the flag for Bayern Munich who want to prove a point themselves so yeah, it's going to wow. be an interesting catch, I think they definitely will compete in. League.
0: We are getting some awesome comments coming in, Matt Osman just mentioning it right there that he hopes somebody else wins the Bundesliga title this yeah. year to keep the Bundesliga entertaining Rafa Cardenas just a moment ago saying Sal Lewandowski, you pretty much lose a ton of your goals. And I completely agree with that mindset. Let's move Pretty quickly through a couple of games that caught my attention this weekend, uh Cologne went down by a goal to nil thanks to Union Berlin and an own goal in the third minute. Uh, Uber's with the own goal. uh Jordan Sabatou missed a penalty kick in that game. There, not necessarily his best moment, but I'm not sure if Union Berlin can keep up this uh, pace right now. They're top of the Bundesliga at this moment in time by a point, um but they are flying pretty high. They've got great experience, obviously Trimmel, Knoche, Kedira. They've got a lot of great players and Urs Fischer, who's one of the craziest coaches. Nigel, you'd love to read about this guy Swiss guy a little bit crazy a little bit crazy in the mind he would fit in well with our group let's move on to Freiburg who were <laughs> top of the table coming into this match day they drew 0-0 against Borussia Mönchengladbach Joe Scali started that game uh, played pretty well at right fullback both goalkeepers in this match had a terrific game uh, Summers and Flecken man of the match uh, both of them as far as I'm concerned but not a great game for finishing once again I think there was 27 shots in the game and goalkeepers just had an absolute blinder But the game of the weekend in the Bundesliga for me, gentlemen, before I let you go, Michael, was Leipzig against Borussia Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Leipzig 3-0 win. Uh, New coach Marco Rosa now at the helm after Domenico Tedesco recently got fired after the humiliation by Shakhtar in the Champions League. Job Zalim of the match, a goal and an assist. He was terrific, but pretty poor from Borussia Dortmund. Mike, did you catch the game? Did you see any minutes of this match? It was absolutely crazy. And even if you didn't, what do you think of the result?
2: I caught the game. I couldn't stop watching because I was in disbelief at what I was seeing from Borussia Dortmund. And you know, shout out to to Tedesco, him, he and Thomas Tuchel, are Nabita. Most likely uh, <laughs> licking their wounds after sackings on the same day. Who would have thought that those two would become best friends early on in the season? But for Leipzig, this was a game they needed to get. This is a type of momentum building result against the Dortmund team who had a brilliant result in the Champions League. And by brilliant, I, I say that because they've had injury woes. Gio Reyna, a spark plug for them coming off the bench. And Nigel, I know I got to give my USMNT. <laughs> fans and players a shout I'll do that once a week and I know you're going to crush me but Gio Reyna getting off the bench Wednesday I just wonder with this Dortmund team if they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit maybe felt like hey Leipzig they, they haven't gotten off the mark a uh, little bit of discombobulation Timo Werner and, and Cuckoo trying to gel a bit more uh, just a strange Poy- partnership yeah, oh, never would really have thought that would come to fruition again. Emil Forsberg, I thought, was brilliant in this game. He's a player who's been inconsistent for club and country. I thought he showed up finally in this Bundesliga matchup, and that made the difference in midfield.
1: Mike, is it from like honestly, do you think it was the Leipzig were that good, or were Dortmund just that poor? How would you really just analyze the game in a nutshell? That's-
2: that's a great question. I think it's a combination of both. Uh, credit to Leipzig. They, they had a barn burner of a start. Set pieces were, were a strength of theirs in past season and last season. They have a guy who looks like a, a WWE wrestler, a center back, who scored a, a thumping header of a goal. And they have pace <laughs> out wide. Sometimes they don't use it in the right ways. They try and overplay what I liked about it is when you get a new manager, we've all been there. When you get a new manager, you always see a response from the team. Put, there's a new lease on life for players and especially attackers. Leipzig answered the the toll. And Marco Rose, he knows Borussia Dortmund. It was almost yesterday that he right. was there. So he almost knew which buttons to push to get at Dortmund. I credit more Leipzig being the aggressor than Dortmund having that bad of a performance.
0: Mark Levinson with the comment right there, Bundesliga clubs are inconsistent. And I agree, Mark. I agree because the inconsistency, that's why we're seeing frustration because Bayern are winning the title even when they're not playing well. They're playing at 60% right now and they're still third in the table. This game was crazy. Obviously, you expect uh, Leipzig to pick it up after recently appointed Marco Rosa. I get it. I understand it. It's a great question, Nigel. I think that Borussia Dortmund are struggling at this moment in time. Um, Obviously, had a good Champions League win. Then you come into this game. It's always going to be difficult traveling away from home, going to Leipzig when they've just replaced their coach. It's a familiar face in Marco Rosa, um, but the goals that they conceded were very poor. And um, I think Leipzig could have scored six goals in this game. They were they were that good. They were that dynamic. Had Timo Werner really just lifted up his head two or three times, he would have seen Nkunku. Mm. You mentioned it, Mike. He would have seen Nkunku. So that. That chemistry still has to build at Leipzig. Um, But Dortmund are missing some key players. And I'm going to touch upon a couple of them right now. Adiyemi out injured. Alev, we know, going through his testicular cancer right now. We wish him all the well, all the best. Uh, Daniel Malin out. Uh, Bino Gittens out, Daoud out. I mean, these are big players obviously missing for Borussia Dortmund and it was always going to be very, very difficult for them. Um, but for sure, it's uh, it's a test in time for a lot of the clubs. And Mike, before we let you go, um, we got to touch upon the fact that the Bundesliga is still a competitive league. It still keeps me entertained even if it doesn't keep everybody else who's out there watching entertained when you're following the Premier League or which other league is your passion, Serie A or La Liga. But, Outside of Bayern Munich, is there a team that potentially could finish in second place that we are not necessarily recognizing right now? Leverkusen at the bottom of the table. We're seeing Freiburg, Union Berlin at the top of the table. We're seeing some crazy teams challenging. How do you think the top four is going to line out? And maybe who could be the ones that finish second, third, and fourth?
2: Uh, Those two teams you mentioned last season, Union Berlin and Freiburg, doing the unthinkable, almost pushing. For Champions League and Europa League competition, and they they do that, getting Europe under their belt, and almost pushing toe to toe with the likes of Leipzig for the DFB Pokal. I don't even know I got the, the initials right, but we'll yes. we'll call it the MC Hammer Pokal if need be. <laughs> but the German <laughs> Cup is what we'll call it, <laughs> um, and that that gives me confidence in them to maintain. They've kept a lot of the same players. Union Berlin losing their one of their leading goal scorers to Nottingham Forest, a Premier League move. We see big money moves happening for players who have breakout seasons. But the fact that they've come out strong, I want to see how they deal with European competition. Where do they prioritize it? If they decide yep. they're going to make a, a run at the European competition, then I think their Bundesliga form will fall. But if they get out of the group stages or say, hey, this has been a good experience. Now let's focus on cementing our place in Germany. I think they could be the surprise packages.
1: Nigel, anything else, to add before we head out and let Mike get out of here? No, I think Mike's right, 100%. I mean, I watched Freiberg today as well, and I think for me, they're a very well-coached team, very well-organised, out of possession. If you look at them, how they defend, they defend very well. I think, again, when you look at the game today, with Gladbach, neither team really wanted to win. And I think if one of those teams can get a real clinical striker, I think they definitely will be up there and be able to mount a challenge because they had some real good chances, and the chances that they had, they should have really been put in the back of the net. Yeah, there's some big games coming up, obviously, next match day
0: in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich take themselves on the road to Augsburg. It's a Bavarian derby. Then you also have the Riviera derby. Borussia Dortmund taking on Schalke, who had a big win this weekend over Bochum. And Borussia Mönchengladbach, yes, that's Joe Scalley taking on Leipzig. Um, Some cracking games. Union Berlin taking on Wolfsburg at the top of the table, trying to maintain their rate at the top. Uh, Mike, first and foremost, I got to say, fantastic job, as always. I know you're probably... um, Moving on to job number seven. Where are you going? Where are you going from this moment right now? We're live out there on YouTube right now. What's next for you today? What are you doing?
2: Oh, man, uh, I'm hopefully going to sleep in the next couple hours. That's my next job. Um, (laughs) Don't get paid for that one, unfortunately. I wish I did because I actually I'm probably underpaid because I haven't slept
1: that much. Are you going to be dreaming about England being (laughs) in USA?
2: So for you fans watching, there is heavy banter, the uptick in banter. LME is left. And we just have gotten the most banterific, I know that's a crap American word, but we'll use it, banterific <laughs> additions in the transfer window for Kay Golasso and these two. But there's a promise that's about to be had. I'm not going to spoil it, but yes, that USMNT game, I'm going to be having dreams and hopefully not nightmares about. Uh, but with how much you've been slamming me, Nigel, I, uh, I, it's definitely going to be worrying signs.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) But you know what? It's a good point, actually. Do you know something that we haven't mentioned as well? So we talked about all these teams and everything, and obviously we're all watching and witnessing something we've never seen before in the fact of a World Cup in winter. We have to realise about some of these clubs we are discussing, if they can stay involved up to that winter break, this is the first time the World Cup's in winter and players and the transfer window is going to be open during that time. So a lot of players can put themselves on the shop window where it's going to be something we've never seen, where some of these players can literally get bought during that transfer window of a big tournament coming off of May, well, the biggest footballing tournament. So that could be interesting in how the recruiting this year will affect some of these clubs that are competing for titles.
0: Yeah, it's something for sure we have never seen before. A Winter World Cup, it seems crazy. And it's also crazy for the players who are going through a compact schedule already with fixtures just left, right and center. Now in the UK in particular, these uh, games being canceled this weekend even adds to that more. So it's a crazy time right now for players, coaches and fans out there who are trying to get through this. It's not going to be easy, but it's beautiful for all of us there. Uh, Nigel, just brilliant once again, as always. We'll see you in just a moment. But Michael, fantastic we'll let you go to bed thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate you me and nigel are free transfers onto the show but we can guarantee you you and all our viewers out there are in for one hell of a roller coaster ride we're going to take a quick break but when we return we'll be chatting some la liga and some incredible crazy results Welcome back, everyone, to Kiko Latso. My name is Ian Joy, alongside Nigel Río Coker. Uh, entertaining, no endless. Uh, of course, terrific once again, as always, in La Liga. The games were thick and fast this morning. It's been crazy to watch some of the games. It's been interesting to see some of the results. Uh, Nigel Río Coker, let's start with Real Betis against Villarreal, who don't concede too many goals. And uh, again today, Real Beticos they just went off to another fantastic result and managed to find the winner, thanks to Rodri. Did you
1: catch the game? What do you think of the result? I think it's a a great result for Real Betis. You know, you're very surprised with VRL. Like you said, they're a very tough team to beat. Anytime VRL lose a game, you've done well because they're a very well-coached team. Unai Emery is a fantastic manager. And we look at the run that they did with the Champions League and how far he took them there. And uh, Real Betis, it's a big win for them. Really big win. They're doing really well at the moment and uh, enjoying themselves. It's going to be interesting, in all honesty, um, this year's campaign in La Liga. Cause uh, I'm interested to see what you think. Ian. I think for me personally, the favourites that I see, barring any serious injuries, is Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid look fantastic. But for me, it's that rest of the, the where the rest of the pack lies, and uh, who real going to be the real contenders? You know, what do you reckon?
0: Yeah, listen, it's interesting to me. Obviously, we're talking about Real Betis and Villarreal. We're talking about two teams who are third and fourth in the La Liga standings after this result. And um, very tight affairs. We know that um, Villarreal don't concede many goals. Obviously, we always question about uh, you know, what, what are you doing with your transfers, who are you bring into the club, you know, who have you allowed to leave the club? Not much money transfer in hands in the Liga this campaign. Um, it's been interesting to watch the Premier League and Serie A leading the way with all the transfers and a lot of money being spent on those two leagues. Um, but certainly some crazy results chasing the top teams in La Liga. Um, I thought this result was a big one for Real Betis. Obviously, just getting a goal, um, making sure you win the game, picking up three points, keeping yourself in the hunt at the top of the table. But you're absolutely right as we move on to Real Madrid against Mallorca this weekend. It was another big performance. Obviously, t- today we, we were hoping to see a big performance. We were worried about Real Madrid without Benzema, uh, but they showed up in a very big way with a 4-1 win over Mallorca.
1: Well, do you know what I love, Ian, as well? And then I know you're the type of person as well. I love characters. I love players that show their personality on the football pitch. And for me, Vinicius Jr., for me, is just exactly what we're talking about. Such a young talent. He already knows he's a world talent. But he was absolutely loving every minute of it today. He took center stage, and he loved it. He took the stage, he took the limelight, and he was able to handle that without, obviously, Benzema being there. And he was fantastic. You know, and I love seeing players like that who have that arrogance and that edge about him and they're not scared to go out there and express themselves. Had a great game. You look at, at Valverde as well. He had a fantastic game. Also, Rodrigo, another great game and a great goal as well. Great individual goal. And it just goes to show for me again what we've complimented them before about how that club is run and how they do it. They've got great scouting network. They've got great recruitment network. And they've got a great balance. Um, also the fact of uh, Rudiger coming on, scoring in the back post as well, a player that Chelsea dearly big time miss, you know, a real yep. big statue of a man, not just a footballing player, but the personality and character he can be in the dressing room. And I, I personally think that Real Madrid will probably go again to win another La Liga uh, title because I, I just think that they look so good all around from start to finish. Yeah,
0: lucky thing with the comment right there. He likes La Liga this year and last season. Thank you so much for all your comments that you're sharing right now. Please make sure you like and subscribe as we continue on with Real Madrid. I mean, I'll go through the goals here. They obviously conceded a goal in the first half. Miriki getting the opening goal um, beautiful goal as well. And it's, it's a hard one to defend yep. at the back post. It was a great free kick. Lovely cross and just switched off for a split second. But that can. help. Oh,
1: wait, wait, wait. See, right, let's rewind that in. It wasn't a hard one to defend. It was Mendy just didn't defend, didn't challenge, but didn't even jump. He literally just stood and was just a passenger watching. Mendy needed to compete for that first goal. I always think that when someone sneaks around that back post and there's that little touch
0: upon it, you just if you lose your your player very quickly, though, Nigel. And I will say this. This was a, a great reaction at halftime, though. Um, they got their goal thanks to Valverde at halftime just before the halftime whistle went. And as you mentioned, it was an absolutely stunning goal. I think it was the best goal of the weekend, his second goal of the season, before your man, Vinny Jr. Five consecutive games now in a row that he has scored a goal. Rodrigo, with the assist before on the 89th minute, Rodrigo scored an absolutely stunning individual goal himself his second yep. goal of the season and an Antonio Rudiger coming up with a goal in the 90th minute his first for his new club his last competitive goal was for Chelsea against Real Madrid so it was nice for him to get on the score sheet as well I want to touch upon real quickly The Asensio situation, being mad, obviously not getting onto the pitch, a bit frustrated. Obviously, you can see uh, the comments from Ancelotti post-game. He should be frustrated, kicking bottles, throwing his bib, angry that he didn't get onto the pitch. Do you agree with that type of reaction from a player who's
1: who's completely pissed he just didn't get on the pitch? Uh, I don't agree to it. I think uh, you've always got to keep your element of professionalism, especially if you're a player that's not really been starting or playing anyway. You have no right to do that. Uh, the manager's always going to make the decision. You know it as well, Ian. You know, you've been in those situations where you want to play, you hope the manager plays you, but what real power do you have? And what's kicking a bottle or showing your frustrations, what's that going to achieve? What's that going to do? Absolutely nothing. It's different if you've been playing week in, week out, scoring goals and been on absolute fire. And then for this game, all of a sudden you're on the bench and you don't play, then yeah, you can maybe understand it. But if you haven't been playing for a while anyway, you're not really consistently in the team and you're on mm-hmm. the fringes, I just think that acting like that doesn't really help at all. Mm-hmm.
0: I think Ancelotti handles it well just by deflating the whole situation, saying, it's okay. I want him to be mad. I want him to play. He's just handling the situation well. But I agree with you. There's a time and a place to do that. In the locker room, in the dressing room, I'm okay with a reaction like that. If you're frustrated yeah. out there in front of people, you're asking for attention. Um, but it was uh, overall a very good result and a great performance from Real Madrid who have got Leipzig next in the Champions League before the derby against Atletico
1: next weekend. We'll get on to Atletico in just a moment. Do you want to add something, Nigel? Yeah, I just want to add, just in case, I got the wrong player it might have been Alaba that was ball watching but I know someone was definitely ball watching from that Real Madrid side for that first goal and just didn't really compete in my opinion yeah I can imagine
0: here on so there'll be many people who are watching here who will pick out your mistakes and let you know on the social media platform. Uh, Rafa Cardenas, uh, second comment of the day. Asensio was so good a few years ago. Sad to see this decline, kind of like Isco. But there's so many players. There's so much uh, battle going on at Real Madrid just trying to get into that starting eleven. Certainly not easy to do whatsoever. So I can understand anyone's frustration. Nigel, we're running out of time, but let's move on quickly to Cadiz against uh, Barcelona. Barca with another convincing victory. They left it to the second half for all of the goals. De Jong getting on the score sheet. Lewandowski came off the bench. He scored yet again six goals in La Liga in his last four games. Hansou Fati got his second of the season, as did Usman Dembele. Lewandowski with two assists as well with his goal. Second half subs really dominating the game. What did you think of Barcelona overall and Lewandowski's impact
1: at the club? Well, you know, they've got one eye on the game of the weekend. You know, they know how much of a big game this is. And I think, let's be real, this is going to be Barcelona's biggest test so far from the start of this season, playing Bayern Munich. And uh, it was the fact of, you can't even call them super subs, is they had to bring on the heavy hitters to get the job done. And it was the substitutes and the impact that they had that helped them to win this game. But again, typical Barcelona performance. They played well. They pretty much dominated that game really and truly. And uh, it's just worrying a bit that they had to bring on the heavy hitters to get the job done when really and truly when you look at that starting lineup, the subs, they've got one eye on this Bayern Munich game. That's what they're really thinking about. And uh, it's going to be interesting, I think, because that's the game that everyone really wants to see. And um, are you a bit worried about that when that happens, Ian? When the fact of you players that you don't really want to play them, but then you do have to bring them on to get the job done, knowing that there could have been a chance for one of them to get injured as well? Why you've got such a big game midweek.
0: Yeah, listen, I understand it. but when things are not going well, and you know what it's like, when there's players on the on the bench, if you look at Barcelona's bench and, and and they're starting 11 for the last five or six games, they have got some youth, absolutely. But they also got some experience there. And it's not just Xavi who's leading this ship. He has a ton of experience in that locker room who's also helping him push this forward. They have signed such a talented group of players who are impact players, they can win games. And I can guarantee you, after watching Robert Lewandowski at his whole time at Bayern Munich, he doesn't want to sit on the bench. So he would have been delighted to come on at halftime and have this type of impact. He wants to play. I know how old he is, right? He's in his mid-30s now. But he wants to play every single game. And when you've got a player who's in form, rarely gets injured, touch wood, uh, you got to make sure you protect them. Yes, but you also got to keep them happy. And if he's going to be an impact player, wants to play every single game, you got to keep on putting them out there. Um, but real quickly on that, because you'd make a great point. We know that uh, Carito are bottom of the table. Obviously, uh, it's going to be a long season for them. Barca have got Bayern Munich next week uh, on during the week before they then face Elche, which should be another must uh, home win game for them. But Bayern Munich, I've just got to ask you this, Nigel. Am I mad to think that Barcelona can compete for both La
1: Liga title this year and the Champions League title? Am I crazy to think that? No, not at all. You, you've got a good footballing brain. It's just common sense. They definitely can compete. I think Barcelona can compete with that squad of players that they've got. And like you said, that it's a mix of experience and youth. I think that their campaign, when it comes to La Liga, is going to come down to when they play the top threes. And right now, you're looking at the games against the likes of Villarreal and also Madrid. You know, the El Clasico. That's what it's going to really come down to when it comes. It's when they take points of those guys. That's going to be the vital points that's needed to sustain for the rest of the season. And also the Champions League. But they've got an array of talent. They've got some fantastic, talented players there. Still at times questionable at the back. Still vulnerable at the back. Not as strong and solid as... Well, when have they really been solid in the back? Let's be real. When have they really Mm -hmm. been solid? You know, they're free-flowing, free-will attacking football inside, you know, and I just think that against certain oppositions, they'll have to tweak tactically and maybe not be as adventurous and maybe be a bit more counter-attacking, but it goes against the principle of their football of what they believe in that region.
0: I'm with you. I actually think that Barcelona's defense has got better, we're only conceding the one goal in the La Liga campaign right now. It's only better. Oh
1: God, yeah. When have they yeah. been tested? Yeah, we discussed this. A, they have a, this is going to be the test. We're going to see now.
0: Yeah. We're going to see I'm, in this midweek a, game,
1: and then we're going to see how it goes.
0: I'm excited to watch this midweek game against Bayern Munich because I, I feel like Bayern Munich are there for the take and it's a possibility to see Lewandowski really just make a point about this return to Munich. So I'm excited. I can't wait for that game. Obviously, we look to, to build up in our preview shows coming up this week, so make sure you catch them as well. Uh, let's finish off in La Liga. Atleti, they had a convincing victory over Celta. Four goals to one. Correa de Paul Carrasco and an own goal obviously gave them the opportunity to, to win that game. Uh trip to Leverkusen next for them and then it's the madrid RB next week. Let's talk big picture about Atleti right now. They had uh, a crazy finish to the Champions League last week. um, Scored in the 98th minute, I think, to win the game. It was crazy. Uh, They have a convincing victory again this weekend. Are they good enough to compete with the Barca's and the Real Madrid and La Liga this year to finish in the top three? I think they can definitely finish. And just like that, Nigel Río Coker has left the building. So I think they are good enough to compete with them. No doubt about it. I'm excited to watch what Atleti can do against Leverkusen. They are one of the teams right now who are struggling in the Bundesliga. Atleti obviously trying to get things going as best as they possibly can. So I'm not scared about what Atleti do. But for sure, when you've got European competition and then you're also trying to compete uh, domestically as we welcome Nigel back into it, it's never going to be easy for an Atleti side. I'm concerned about their lack of transfer movement. Um, obviously, Simeone's been at the club for such a long time, Nigel. Um, we know what's happening with Griezmann as well. There's a uh, potential big price tag they've got to pay. There's a lot of noise about Atleti. I am a bit concerned about them this year. I think they might struggle to finish in the top three, potentially top four this year in La Liga, with other teams playing better domestically in La Liga. I think they'll struggle in the Champions League as well, even though they got that victory on match day one.
1: I don't think they'll be as competitive in the Champions League, but I think in La Liga, Ian, I think they will be okay. I think that Simeone is just so knowledgeable of La Liga. Yes, they haven't been as active in the transfer market as other clubs, as you'd put them in the same bracket are. But I think one thing about Simeone is he's demanding and he's consistent in what he wants and the type of players that he wants. So I think this year, more so, it will be more domesticated in the sense of trying to finish in the top three, trying to compete for the La Liga title, which they probably still can at the moment, I would mm-hmm. say. I will never say Raya Simeone's side out. I think for me personally, I think it's about time that Atletico maybe change the manager. I think that Simeone's done as much as he can there and I think he needs new challenges. Mm-hmm. I would love to see in a selfish way, I'd love to see Simeone in the Premier League. I think mm-hmm. he's a manager with great... Charisma and, and character about him that he could really do well at the right club with the right resources. And I just think that for me, Atleti, I think he's taken him as far as he can. What more can he really do there? Can you really see him getting him to another Champions League final, you know, winning another La Liga title? I think he's done well there. I think he's reached his ceiling at Atletico. That's just yeah. my personal opinion.
0: In many ways, you'd have to say, in my opinion, he's overachieved at that club. Like he has managed to make them competitive. Even last year, if you look at him competing in Europe in the latter stages, once again, against both Manchester clubs and knocking United out. I mean, it's just crazy how good he is. I actually wrote that down today. I've written it down, Nigel, for you because it's a question I wanted to ask you. And I know it's going to annoy a lot of La Liga fans out there because... It's the Premier League talk. And I get it, right? Listen, I follow the Bundesliga more than any other league. So
1: you can't you're come up. Yep, yep, yeah, you're hater. Yeah, true. Go on.
0: I'm, I'm, a, I'm a realistic person. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. But are, are you surprised that Simeone has not ended up in the Premier League already?
1: I am surprised. I'm very surprised. I thought that he probably would have taken that challenge there. But again, it's sometimes you look at the these clubs and it's the owners and the, the directors of football and the chief executive It's whether that they're a bit scared and worried about the character of Simeone and whether they can control him. And I think Mm -hmm. for some clubs, they need a character like that. They need a manager like that to really take these clubs back to where they feel they should be. And I Mm -hmm. think he'll be a great addition to the Premier League, again, because you look at Simeone, Ian, and I think this is what people have to understand. Mm -hmm. Simeone wore his heart on these sleeves as a player. Mm -hmm. The players that play for Simeone, to play for Simeone, you have to be that same type of player, that same mentality, the same intensity, doing the dirty work. But when it comes to playing football, you've got to be able to play football as well. But you've got to do the dirty work. Those are the type of players he will get and be successful. I just think that the message has become a bit too stale and a bit white noise at Atletico, and I feel he's taking them as far as he can. I feel that a new challenge is what he needs.
0: Yeah. Great point right there, Nigel. Now I've got you on my own. We've managed to get rid of all of our guests. I think it's important to, to recognize your great work in the media. Never easy to retire from professional football and create a living and create something that you enjoy doing post-professional football. But what you are doing is fantastic. And I will say this, as we continue to to grow this project, and obviously Luis Miguel Echegaray has moved on and we are now being handed the keys to this thing. I'm really looking forward to, to working with you on this project going forward. And uh, I guess I'll leave the, the final word for you before I close it up. Uh,
1: you caught me completely off guard there, but no, really, truly no. You're a talented guy as well. Very, very knowledgeable in the game. And I think it's fantastic. You know, like you said, we love doing this uh, talking football. And what I like as well is the fact of what we discussed in is the fact of we're outliners. We're willing to get out of our comfort zone. And as much yes. as we love the Premier League, we also respect and love other leagues because there's talent everywhere. Football is the world's game. You know, it doesn't just belong to one nation. It's the world's game, and I think so many conversations can be had across board, just for the appreciation and the love of the game of football. And uh, you're fantastic at what you do, and very knowledgeable, like I said. And I'm enjoying it. You've got the keys. You're in the front seat. I'm in the back. So let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I would just say to everybody out there who's been watching on or listening in to strap on your seatbelts because there is a ton of big guests coming our way. We've been handed the keys to this and we're certainly going to take care of it for LME. We're looking forward to the ride. we got a lot of guests planned for for you as well to enjoy. Um, but I just want to say a big thank you to you, Nigel, and thank you also to Michael LaHood for joining us today. And uh, to everybody else out there who's been watching Kegalatza today, thank you so much. We appreciate you. You're, reviews for clicking the like and subscribe button. But please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. So make sure you leave a rating, make sure you're following the journey because it's going to be a wild one. We're also available on video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. I guarantee you, you do not want to miss out what is coming your way. Thanks to everyone for watching along. Nigel, once again, thanks to you so much for joining us today. And to everyone out there who's been watching, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time.
2: Streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready,
1: Bob. Well,
2: all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley one love. Ready PG13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.